are now listening to an inspirational message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where Dr. Michael Wesley Sr. is pastor. Please join the service in progress.
wonderful thing God has done can only be described as marvelous, glorious. Amen. When God blesses, he is blessed in the past, he's blessing presently, and he's going to bless us even more as we go forward into the future. Father, we thank you now for the marvelous things you have done. Things you have done throughout history. Things, marvelous things that you've done in creation. Made a variety of beautiful, wonderful flowers. Glorious sunrise and beautiful sunsets. Star-filled nights, marvelous things. Done marvelous things in human life. Given man the ability to solve many of his own problems. Marvelous. You've done wonderful things in our life. Picked us up and brought us out. Opened doors, made ways. Marvelous things you have done. We pause to say thank you. Ask now that you would continue to guide us and direct us by your spirit. We need a word, Lord, and I pray that you would speak a word to us today. A word clear, a word deep that none of us escapes. That changes our lives and calls us to leave different than how we came. So I pray again that you would bless the words in our mouth, the meditations on our heart. It may be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God. Amen. Hey, we've been studying in the Word of God continually in the Gospel of Matthew. We've been through all of chapter 10, and we've covered now the first 24 verses of chapter 11. So today I want to finish up chapter 11 by looking at verses 25 through 30. If you will, Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. And there the word of God say, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent And has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to preach this morning from the subject of personal invitation from Jesus. A personal invitation from Jesus. How many have ever sent out an invitation to a party, to a wedding, to some social event that you were hosting? Whenever you sent out an invitation, you want people sometimes to RSVP. And that means respond. 
because there are preparations that need to be made. There are counts that need to be taken. You always want to make sure you have enough of whatever it is so that the people who do respond have the adequacy of all that they need. And when your guests show up, you don't look at them funny, do you? I hope you don't. And you should not ask them, what are you doing here? Because you know what their answer will be. You invited me. And whenever you invite someone, you want them to be there. Well, I got good news. Jesus extends a personal invitation to every one of us. Which means he has already calculated and anticipated everything that's needed for what he wants you to have. Now, our challenge this morning is really understanding what the offer is and then deciding personally that we want what the Lord is offering. I'm going to cut through the chase. I'm not going to make you guess. The Lord is offering salvation. He's offering eternity. But you have to respond to the invitation. Now, you, you, mama can't respond for you. You know, sometimes I'll ask wife, I'll say, call them folk and tell them I'll be there. But that won't work in this case. I can't ask somebody else to respond for me. This is one that I must respond for myself. And you do know we've been talking about responses to the ministry of Jesus over the last little while. We, we talked about the response of doubt to the ministry of Jesus. And John the Baptist honestly had honest doubt. And that was his response. Are you the one or do we look for someone else? And it was all because his circumstance had changed. We saw last time the response of criticism and indifference as some of the people, rather than responding to Jesus in faith, they criticized the master. They criticized his forerunner, John. And they responded in those Galilean cities with indifference but that never stopped Jesus from inviting and it didn't stop him and doesn't stop him from extending the invitation even today as a matter of fact when you look at this Bible from the beginning to the end there are a series of invitations coming from God yes it is in, in the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah, the 55th chapter, the first verse, he offers an invitation. Ho, he says, let him that thirst come. Let him who have no money come and buy and eat. We see Jesus here in the opening book of the New Testament, the gospel of Matthew, issuing an invitation, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We hear him in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, at the third chapter, issuing one final invitation. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, and listen, and respond, because the response will be, and open the door, then I will come in and will sup with him, and he 
with me. Now, that, that idea of coming and supping as described in the book of Revelation is an apocalyptic invitation because he knows the word sup means it's the evening meal. It's the last meal before the dawn of a new day. And he's asking people to come to respond, to open the door before the night of judgment falls and the dawn of eternity begins. And so I want to say to us today that we hear these invitations, we see these invitations, but we don't respond as we should in faith and that's our challenge today because I think that so many people assume that they have responded and your name just might not be on the guest list now let me help you here because the Lord is knocking he's knocking at the door of your heart right now he knocks through sermons. He knocks through songs. He knocks through circumstances in your life. He knocks through hardships. He knocks through challenges. He knocks through financial difficulties. He knocks through relationship challenges. God knocks through the weather. God knocks through the circumstances of a nation that's at odds with him. And he's still saying, if you open the door, I will come in and will sup with you and you with me. God is interested in having fellowship with you. But are we interested in having fellowship with him? There's another invitation that he offers. Luke's gospel records it. In Luke's gospel chapter 14, starting at about the 15th verse, there the Lord is engaging with a group of people in a meal. He has observed how they all were jockeying for chief positions. And that's what a picture of the church is. Everybody wants the top seats. Everybody wants to sit in the place where they can be recognized. But the Lord spins a parable and he says, a certain man, meaning a great man, had a banquet and he sent out his servant with an invitation for people to come. Now, because the banquet was being planned at the time, the date of the banquet was uncertain, but the surety of it was not uncertain. And, and, and all of the people that the servant went to agreed that we'll come when the banquet is ready. And then finally, after all of the preparations had been made, the master, the great man of the house, sent back his servant again and said, Come, all things are now ready. But they began to make excuse. One man said, uh, Have me excused. I've just bought a piece of property, a piece of ground, and I got to go check it out. Another man said, I, I, I've just bought a yoke of oxen, and I must prove them, so have me excused. Another man said, I've just gotten married, and I have a new wife, so have me excused. What the Lord was saying here was he himself is that great man. And he has offered himself to the people of Israel as their king. 
And when he came and said, the banquet is now ready, all of the people began to make excuses. And when the servant came back and told the great man of the house of the excuses that were being made, the great man said to the servant, go into the highways and byways and hedges and compel men to come. He said, bring in the lame. Bring in the blind. Bring in those so that my house can be filled. God wants people to be in his house. And so he extends the invitation. When the people of Israel began to reject Jesus and make excuses, he sends out preachers into the highways and byways. And he said, compel people to come. Bring those in who can't walk. Carry them in. Bring people in who are blind, who can't see, that has to be led in. Bring in those who recognize that they need some support. So now when we come to the 11th chapter of Matthew and we look specifically at this invitation here, he says again, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And the offer is, I will give you rest. Can I help you? Because what is implied and what is explicitly said here is that there are five elements to this particular invitation to salvation. And the first of these, he says, is humility. I'm going to give you these five words. Now listen, look at, look at Jesus here. He says, at that time. What time? At the time, right after he finished warning and upbraiding those Galilean cities that he had been to and had performed miracle after miracle and they had treated him with indifference. At that time, when people had rejected his ministry, at that time, when America is turning its back, at that time, when the church has gone through the pandemic and people have gotten comfortable at Bedside Baptist again, at that time, when people no longer want to be in the house of prayer on Sunday morning, but rather on the golf course and in the football stadium and in other places, rather than being in God's house. At that time, he continues to give the invitation. But look at what he said. He said, I thank thee. He turns to his father in a prayer and he says, I thank thee, father, that thou has hidden these truths from the wise and the prudent. What truths was it? What was it that was hidden? The revelation of who Christ is. When Jesus came to the earth, the people did not know who he was. They could have known, but God hid it from them because they thought they already knew. The Jewish religious leaders did not consider Jesus as their Messiah. And they still don't. And there are people today who do not recognize their need of God because they already think they know. There are people who have been blessed with the academic abilities and with knowledge and skills and things. And therefore, they don't think they need Jesus. There are people who darn the church. They're they're in their seats every Sunday, but they don't think they need to study. They don't think they need to pray. They don't think they need to call on the name of the Lord because they think they already got it together. And he says, Father, I thank you that you've hidden truths 
to the wise and the prudent, but you have revealed them unto who? Unto babes. Who are the babes? What is a baby? A baby is an infant. It's a person. It's a real live human. But it's a real live human who recognizes dependency. A baby cannot make it on their own. A baby is dependent upon some adult to take care of them. If there is not a mother or father or grandmama or big mama or somebody to take care of a baby, that child will die. And listen at what Jesus is saying. I have come, I am offering this salvation not to those who think they already got it together, but to those who understand that they need me, that they are dependent upon me, that they can't make it without me, that they depend on me to supply their needs, that they depend on me to protect them from the dangers, from the environmental concerns, from the challenges of life and all of the circumstances that would take them out. So it means then that people who are saved are people who are humble. People who recognize their need for Christ. And unfortunately, there are many people who, who, who walk around, man, like they don't need nobody. They ain't going to ask nobody for nothing. They got so much pride and so much hell in them that they can't live, drop their head at all. Don't you think that there are people not, not like that? In, 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 in the same gospel, Jesus talked about one day, um, two men went to the temple to pray. And one man being a Pharisee and another man being a sinner. And the Pharisee looked around, he said, oh God, uh, I thank you that I'm not like this man. For I fast and I tithe and I give and he's spouting off all of his religious accomplishments. But the other man who stood in the corner did not even as much as lift his head, but smote his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, that's the man that went home justified. That's the one that got saved. Because there is and must be a level of humility to accept the invitation that the Lord gives. But not only humility is word, but there is a second element in what's necessary to receive Christ's invitation, and that is revelation. Touch somebody and say revelation. Look at what Christ says. He says, God, he says in verse 27, he says, he says, all things delivered unto me are of my Father. He, he, he makes it personal here. My Father. This is the first time in the New Testament where Jesus calls God my Father. Other points he has said Father. Other points he has said God. But now he says my Father. Which means he makes himself equal to God. It is a statement of deity. This is what the religious leaders wanted to crucify him for. Because they said he makes himself equal to God. You might not understand what this text is saying, but they understood they understood when Jesus said, my father, he was talking about himself being God. Because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all one. And listen at what else he says. Father, he said, I thank you that no man even know the Son but the Father. 
Now, I don't, I, I, I know, I know all of us really like to say, I know Jesus. I've been knowing Jesus for a long time. But let me tell you something. You can't get your little bitty brain around the incarnation of who God is in Christ. It blows our mind. It makes it hard. Well, even when we're trying to explain to children how in the world could a virgin conceive and have a child and he come along and later on call himself God. That is mind-boggling. How could he have been in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and that same word became flesh. You can't tell me you understand all of that. You don't understand the role of God as the sovereign creator and maker of the ends of the earth who does mysterious and, and things that we don't understand. What makes him spin a hurricane out in the waters and come ashore and destroy nations? What causes him to shake the earth and thousands of people fall under the collapsing of buildings? What makes him blow his breath and tornadoes drop out the sky? You can't explain that. You can't explain why innocent children die or why children are born with deformities. So you can't say you know God. Only as God reveals himself. This, and that's what the scripture says. He said, Father, I thank you that no one even knows who I am, knows the Son, except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And no one knows us unless we reveal it to them. May I help you understand, you don't come to Christ because you decided one day to get out of that seat and walk the aisle. You sign a card and that makes you a Christian. That does not make you a Christian. That makes you a member of the church. <laughs> what makes you a Christian is God reveals himself to you. And you wake up and your eyes are open and you recognize that this is no longer just a human. This is God. That day and that night in that Buddhist worship service when I was down on my knees and I'm talking about Namiyo Ho Rangekyo. And I didn't know the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit spoke in my ear, it was in the voice of my old pastor who said, I am the Lord thy God and thou shalt have no other God before me. And I set up. I had enough sense to set up. And when I set up, I knew that I was in the wrong place. And when I got out of there, God said, now it's time for me to help you know who I am. And from that moment on, God began to reveal himself. You cannot know who Christ is unless he reveals himself. Can I talk about it just a little while? Easter morning, there were two men who were walking down the Emmaus Road. And Jesus joined with the men. But the Bible said, but their eyes were holding. And as they walked, they said, we had hoped that it had been him who had been the Messiah. He was walking with them, but they didn't know who he was. Not until later when he broke the bread did God open their eyes. And they it was revealed to them that this is Christ. See, a lot of us been walking. We've been living. We've been doing a lot of stuff but until God opens your eyes and reveal Jesus you know I've been in church all of my life and some of you have been in church all of your life but the question is has he ever revealed himself to you do you know that he is the Christ the son of God has he opened your eyes personally only way you can respond to the invitation is to be to have the revelation. You know, sometimes I get those invitations in the mail, you know, and they come from out of town and say, who is that? I don't know who that is. And we'll ask each other, who is that? You know who this is? Oh, that's so-and-so. I don't know them, but I know them. But that's good. You know them, but I don't know them. <laughs> and we have conversations like that. Don't y'all act like y'all have those kind of conversations. Like you don't get mail sometimes, you don't know who it is. That's why they put caller ID on phones. Hello? I don't know who that is. I ain't answering that call. But I wonder when the Lord shows up, when he dials your number, when he rings your bell, when he knocks on your door, will you know who he is? The only way you'll know is he reveals himself. 
who he is. So to respond to this invitation, you got to be humble. You can't be the wise and the prudent who think you already know and don't need God. You got to be a person who God has revealed himself to. But there's a third element in the text here, and that is repentance. Now watch this. Watch, watch the next verse, verse 28, where he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That's who the invitation is to. It's to those who realize that, that I can't do this. It's those babes, those spiritual babes. It's those blind people. It's those folk who can't help themselves, who God has revealed himself finally to, that said, God, I can't do it by myself. I can't do it on my own. Who, listen, I, it's, it's when you have run out of gas. It's when you have gotten tired of trying to save yourself. It's when you've gotten tired of the self-effort of trying to demonstrate or prove to other people that you have a self-righteousness that is not of you. That you'll come to God. That's when you'll say to God, God, forgive me. That's when you'll come to God. That's when you'll open the invitation and you'll say, I want to respond to this because I am broken. That I am burdened, that I am tired, that I can't do this by myself. I can't make it to heaven. I don't know. It's like the boys when Jesus said, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father but by me. And they wanted to know, well, Lord, where are you going? And how can you know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except by me or but by me. He has to be the one to reveal. And when he reveals who he is and reveals the way that you need to go, then you say, God, forgive me. I have tried to make it on my own. How many have tried to make it? Really, really, truly. You tried to do it. You tried. To, man, listen, I thought I was a smart man. I was. I did. I had the academic ability. And I thought that I could live life on my own terms. That I could set the perimeters. That I could set the times and the seasons for certain things. But after frustration and frustration and disappointment and head knocking and head bumping and tripping over my own foolish self. You have to come to the place where you come to the end of you. That's what that song is. I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know. If thou withdraw, if you take back from me, then where can I go? You know, when you come to the end of yourself, then you repent. And Jesus says to you freshly, come unto me. Because you're the one he's looking for. All you that labor, all you who struggle, all you who are burdened, come unto me and I will give you, here it is, rest. And what is that rest? For the Old Testament Jews who had wandered around in the wilderness from tent to tent, from place to place, never had a place that they could call their own. Once they settled into the land of Canaan, the Bible said they were at rest. But that was just symbolic. It was a picture of finally being there. It was a picture of being in the place that God had provided. It was also a picture of future salvation, but it's a picture of present salvation. So the offer, the offer that God 
offers, come unto me all you. It's not based upon your ethnicity. It's not based upon your race. It's not based upon your name. It's not based upon your community. It's not based upon your financial status. It's not based upon your educational attainment. All you that labor, who struggle and are heavy laden, I will give you salvation. I will give you the permanence of not having to wonder. I will give you the place that I have designed. I will give you the resources that are necessary so that your life can become satisfying. All you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Wow. So what's next? You have to respond to that invitation. In faith, that's the fourth word, faith. If you're humble and God reveals himself to you, you will repent. And when you repent, change your mind. I'm going the wrong direction. I need to get on this road to get right with God. We make those kinds of discoveries all the time. Usually we call them New Year's resolutions. I want to lose weight. I want to turn over a new leaf. I want to get going a different way. That's what it means to repent. It means to turn and go in the direction God is in. But after that comes now faith. All ye that labor in a heavy lay, and I will give you rest. How do you get it? You get it not through criticism. You get it not through indifference. You get it through Believing. Belief and faith are the same thing. They're sometimes used interchangeably. Sometimes the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It means put your faith in him. Put your trust in him. You cannot be a true Christian until you open your heart and respond to God in faith. I shared earlier, man, there were many times when I would hear the preachers preach and they would offer the invitation and say, pray this prayer, and I would pray the prayer. I prayed that prayer a lot of times. I can't tell you how many times I prayed the prayer, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to be the man you want me to be. But one of those times, it stuck. I can't say I was in the cornfield down in South Alabama when the Lord hit me in the head. No, but one of them times in a church or in my house or somewhere, I responded to God in faith and sincerely acknowledged that Jesus, as the revelation was given to me, is the Son of God. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that that literally was a man who came from heaven, who really was the divine son of God? You might not be able to explain it. I might not be able to explain why and how God put a microscopic speck in the belly of a woman and she carried a child for nine months. And when he dropped off on the straw in Bethlehem, he was the Christ. I can't explain how he grew up and walked the dusty plains of Palestine. I can't make it make sense how he had all power in heaven and earth in his hand. But I believe it. I believe that one Friday he went to a cross and I believe that they put him on that cross and I believe they put nails in his hand and speared him in the side and I believe he dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders and he died. But that death was not because he was a criminal but, but was my substitute. He died in my place and to prove that he was God's son, God raised him the third day. I believe that. Do you believe that? I mean, don't say it for my benefit. This is the way you respond to this invitation. It has to be a faith response. You have to believe what has been testified about Jesus. And when you respond in faith, look at what you have. An humble person, not lifted in pride and self-knowledge but a child innocent helpless who recognizes that God is the one who reveals himself to me 
And God caused me at the revelation of revealing himself for me to confess my sins and acknowledge that I needed him. And then I believe by inviting him in my heart in faith. And I know you wish that was all, don't you? But there's another element. Not just faith, but now submission. And this is the work. This is the ongoing work. Listen to what he says. Take my yoke upon your neighbor. Take my yoke upon your mama. Take my yoke upon your grandmama. No, he says, take my yoke upon who? Upon you. And that's submission. A yoke is a farm instrument. It's a tool. It was made out of wood. And it was used to put around the necks of oxen who were necessary in the agrarian world for plowing. And what they would do, they would bring the animal into the local carpenter shop. And the carpenter would measure the neck and shoulders of the ox. And then they would work on the yoke and make it. And then they would bring the ox back in for a final fitting to make sure that the yoke fit right. Because that animal was going to have to submit to wearing that yoke to carry out the work that was to be done. They would not put an animal out to plow unless he was properly yoked. And God is saying, yes, I can save you, but I got to work for you. And in order for you to do the work, you're going to have to submit unto the yoke that I have designed and prepared just for you. Now, I, I can't wear my daddy's yoke. It probably wouldn't fit. I can't wear Ralph's yoke. I know it won't fit. <laughs> I can't wear somebody else's yoke, but I have to wear the one that I've been measured for and has been designed for me. In other words, I've got to submit unto what God has designed and planned for my life. Everybody got a plan for your life. But God has a plan too. So whose plan are you going to follow? Jesus in the invitation said, take my yoke, the one that I have designed for you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me, let me tell you, what he's talking about here is a yoke wasn't put on just one ox. A yoke was put on a team of ox. And each one had to be uniquely fitted so that there would be no chafing, no rubbing up against his neck and shoulder and causing that animal to be sick or sore. God has so designed so that what he puts on you you'll be able to handle it. Now look, on this side would be you. On the other side would be him. And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now what is the submission? The submission is come to me and learn of me. Learn of me because I'm the subject you need to learn of. And learn from me because I'm the teacher who's going to teach you what you need to know. 
Learn of me. Learn of my word. Learn of my promises so that when trouble comes, you won't worry. You won't bend yourself lost. You won't pull the hair out of your head. You won't get out of the path that I've designed. You'll know where I want you to go. You'll know what I want you to do. And you'll be able to do it because I'll be on the other side of you. And when you want to go your way, I'll be right there to pull you right back. And when you don't want to work, I'll be right there to encourage you. Come on, we got just a little bit more to go. My yoke is easy. Jesus knew what that was. He had worked in a carpenter's shop as a boy. And he had designed yokes. And he knew how to pad them. And so he says, my yoke is padded with grace. And my yoke is padded with mercy. And my burden is light. See, you've already struggled. You struggle with life. You struggle with self. You have labored and you were heavy laden over there. But when you come to me, the war ends in that dimension. But it begins in submission as you allow me to lead, guide, and direct your life. Man, what an invitation. But the question now is not about what kind of print is on or how elegant or how fancy it is. That's not the issue. The issue is only one thing, and that's your response. You can respond like the people in Jesus' day. You can criticize it. You can say, oh. You can respond with indifference. You can say, oh, talk to the hand. I don't want to hear that. But you ought to be one that if you don't respond in faith, you doom yourself. You cut short the possibility and opportunities that you could have in this life and the glories of eternal life. So you got to make the right choice. And there's only one choice. And that's when you submit to Jesus, you demonstrate that submission by telling other people about the goodness of God. That's what you do when you go, when, when now you know that Christ, now that you know because he's revealed himself. Now that you've humbled yourself and you've repented, now there's nothing to do but to tell other people. Let me tell you about somebody who can save anybody. Somebody who picked me up. Somebody who brushed me off. Somebody who turned me around. Somebody who guides my life. That's my job every day. That's my job each week. All I'm doing is standing here telling you about the goodness of the Lord telling you how good he is. How good is he? Not only did he save me, but he wants to save you. He stands and says, I'm knocking. You open the door of your heart, I'll come in and I'll sup with you. He's saying, I'm giving you an invitation to an eternal banquet. Stop making excuses and come. He says, come unto me all you that beat up and broken and torn up by life. Heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I'll give you salvation. I'll give you peace. I'll give you whatever you need. Learn of me. Put the yoke on. And tell everybody of the goodness of God. Can you do that? What about you today? Somebody here today. Somebody here. Somebody here. Now, don't, don't, don't look around at nobody else. This is to you. This is to you, brother. This is to you, sister. This is not to your neighbor. This is to you. What is God saying to you right now? Right now in this place. That's the, see, that's the evidence. That's the evidence. Doors open. You can come today by letter. Christian experience. Candidate of baptism. Doors open. Will you be a witness? Will you tell others about him?
Amen, 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 amen. See, that's the response. When you respond in faith, when you submit to the yoke, that's what you'll do. You'll tell others of the goodness of the Lord. Last time, humility, revelation, repentance, faith, submission. Then you go and tell of the goodness of the Lord. Thank you so much for being with us on this Lord's Day. I just going it's going to bring our service to a close. And we're going to go out praising God from whom all blessings flow. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast. You have been listening to a message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where we are reaching the world for Christ. Located at 2135 Jefferson Avenue Southwest, Birmingham, Alabama 35211. For a copy of a CD or DVD, you can reach us at 205-925-5972 or visit us on the web at www.greatershallow.org. For an uplifting message, please join us for the next broadcast.